Welcome to Talk in Context. I'm Tim. I'm Cody. That's Tyler over there doing the audio and video. And uh, this is going to be kind of our first upload, our first video. So we're going to do a quick intro and talk about, I guess, who we are, where we are, so that you don't just think it's a couple of know-it-all strangers just talking to you through your computer. So uh, I guess, go ahead, Cody, hit the road, bro. Let them know. Let them know who you are. Um, Cody, uh, I did like not even three years in the army, mm -hmm. uh, 2011 to 2014. I was an automated logistics specialist. For those of you who don't know, that means I worked in a warehouse. <laughs> um, went straight out of high school and joined the army. I think I had to wait around six months to go to basic. And you born and raised in Brooksville, right? Like yep. uh, born and bred? Well, actually, I, I was born in Dunedin. Okay. And then grew up here, Brooksville, Spring Hill area. Lived here pretty much my whole life, except for the three years I was over in Germany, mm -hmm. give or take. Um, not the best experience in the military, but still glad I did it. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of those 1%. You know, yeah, that, I mean, I feel equal the same way about it. Like I, I have I definitely have no regrets about the military at all. I mean, I've had ups and downs, but I have no regrets at all. And uh, so. And I got out, like I said, in 2014, mm -hmm. uh, went to school and got my degree, uh, bachelor's in information technology. I actually work at a small IT company when I'm not here at the heat. Veteran-owned IT company at yep. that. And what brought me to where I am now is was in a really dark place for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. And I actually had some family that mentioned this place in the Veterans Heat Factory. And I knew nothing about it, but I figured I had nothing to lose, so I gave it a shot, came in, and met the man running the place, uh, what was it? I want to say it was December of 2018. Mm. And started here in January. Started in the program. I think I was here for maybe three or four weeks. And they started having some issues as far as IT, social media, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I just completed my degree, so I offered to help out. Lo and behold, somehow I end up as our... <laughs> He's our resident IT guy now here at the Heat Factory. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, he gets called for it all, so... Yeah. Uh, admin for our social media as mm -hmm. well as our website. Mm -hmm. Do they call you if the toilet gets clogged? No, just IT related. Oh, it's okay, IT okay, related. Okay, okay. The toilet gets clogged. That's a whole different guy. That's Robert. <laughs> but I've been here since then, uh, three days a week. How about you? For me, uh, I'm Tim, and I'm a little older. I'm than Cody. There's quite a big age difference between us, but that's kind of what makes it so awkwardly awesome. Our friendship is that Cody's 26, right? 27. 27. My daughter's 27. 
So just for you guys out there that are watching, uh, just I'm 43, so you do the math. But anyway, uh, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I've lived in Florida a number of times in my life, um, but I'm most of my life has been living and growing up in Brooklyn, New York. And um, I um, went into the Navy 1995, December of 95. And I got out in December of 2000, did my EAOS. I did a five-year contract. It was, love the Navy. Love everything about it. Who we are. I love it. And, yeah, everything has downfalls. I don't care if you make $200,000 a year at a job. That shit has downfalls, too. So it has pitfalls and negatives about it. But uh, the food is one of them for the military. It depends, because in the Navy, you got your ships, man. Like, my first ship, I could agree. The food kind of sucked. But when I was on my second ship, you would think it would suck being on a warship, being on a cruiser. Mm. The food was pretty damn good, man. I'm talking, we had surf and turf nights sometimes. Like, it, it was, we, we, there was times we ate a lot. Now, there was also times, a lot of times, where we had the green eggs, the, the powdered eggs. <laughs> We had green eggs and ham, but uh, yeah, I've had those a few times. Yeah, that was that was we've had plenty of those days, but I did have days where we had steak and lobster, and we would cordon bleu and things like that. And it's the Navy is pretty self sufficient though, so that's kind of why they. It's just I guess whatever budget that they have, the Air Force has people. They get to eat that, and someone cooks it for them. See, the Army doesn't get it at all. The Marines pretty much. Hey, we get it when we're deployed. Okay. Once every six to eight months or so. <laughs> and the Navy gets it when they're pretty much deployed and they get it. But we get it once a month. So it's weird. It's yeah, I'm sure it has something to do with budget, man. Because the Air Force, they their budget is through the roof and they have less of an Air Force, so less personnel. So that's how they spend their money. $50,000 uh, mugs. Yeah. Golden toilet seats. Yeah. You know. But uh, so I did a five year stint. I got out in December of 2000. I went back and moved home to New York and I was working for Nextel. What I did in the Navy was originally I was called a radio man. And then after 2000 with Y2K and all of that and the advance of technology, they made us call, they called us information systems technicians. Mm, fancy. And fancy because they combined us with data processing and with the DPs. And now we were computer people all of a sudden, like. I'm used to climbing antennas, doing azimuth and elevation, worrying about the satellite and direction that it's in. And meanwhile, now they want me to just know how to do, get in and out of routers and, <laughs> and build emails. And I'm like, mm, yeah, this ain't for me. So I got out and I decided to work for Nextel. And I worked for them for about nine months or so. And then September 11th happened. And I was there through all of that shit. And I was like, experienced the soot my truck was covered in dust and and i lived in brooklyn across the river but this was the wind that blew all of that like there was papers in the street it written in chinese and other languages from the world trade center that had flown over and were littering the streets with the paperwork that's how it's crazy it's hard to put into words what was happening like so i went back in for three months after that i went back in and i did a three another three and a half years i would have done 30 man but I got out on some medical stuff. I went to Iraq on on the Gettysburg, one of the finest warships in the Navy. Unfortunately, she's in the yards right now. But and um, 
But I met life-changing people on that ship, man. I met life-changing people in the Navy, and I wouldn't change any of it. It's unfortunate your experience wasn't as pleasant. And I know that a lot of people have bad experiences, and, you know, for the most part, I didn't. You know, I'm thankful for that, that I, I still talk to some people on Facebook and that I were on my first ship with me back in the 90s. And uh, But to... That doesn't say that that doesn't take away from what war is and what I had to experience and all that. That's the downfall. That's the negative part of it all. But um, anyway, got out 2004 ish and kind of been like chaotically lingering, wandering through life, you know, in my darkness and unhealthy and unhealthily forming and ending relationships per se. You know, like uh, nothing was real on what I was doing now. I know that now, but um, it took for my an extremely wonderful woman who loves me. And I don't know how she ever did, <laughs> to be honest, that cared for me more than she cared for herself, unfortunately. And it took for her to leave me for me to be like, you know what, man? Maybe it's time to wake the fuck up, man. Like. And one day I found this place. I decided that I was going to do something different in my life. Went to Career Source. A few people out there know what Career Source is. It's a great place to help look for a job or help you write a resume and do other things. They have veteran services there as well. Some of the, if not all of the offices. Um, and I met with a guy named Jose and Pedro, and they helped me out. And they told me about this place. I was new in Spring Hill in Brooksville. I was two years living here, less than two years, and I didn't know anybody here. So I didn't know which direction was right and which one was wrong. So I just picked a spot. <laughs> I went on Google, and that's what led me to go there. And I was going to walk out the door. They told me about the place. I said, yeah, I'll call them tomorrow. No problem. And inside, when they were telling me, I was like, man, this is awesome. But my body was just like, yeah, I'll call them. And Jose's like, nope, 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 nope. Hold on, wait a minute. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call Gus right now. Five ten minutes later, Gus said, "Send him over right now." Five ten minutes later, here I am. I sat down with Gus. I met Gus, and you know, that day I met Ray Negron, Bat Boy. I got to put on that damn ring, and not to. Oh, by the way, Gus gave me the ring. I forgot to bring it in and show you. See, I'll bring it in on Monday. I'll bring it in for the next podcast to show you my my Yankee ring that he gave me, 1996 World Series Yankee ring. I'm going to show it to you. But, um, you know, I met Ray Negron, and I'm a big, I'm a huge-ass Yankee fan. Anybody out there who knows me, you know I'm a Yankee fan. If you know me since when I was in the Navy in 1996 till now, you know that the, I bleed pinstripes. So... It just everything fell into place, kind of like Cody was supposed wasn't supposed to be the IT guy, and just somehow he ended up being that. Like this is his now. This is his kind of purpose and like his responsibility. Is that right? Like just say that, like that kind of thing. Like your way of paying it forward and helping out. And and for the record, Cody is not the most talkative person. So (laughs) to even have him on here. You guys will see this is an accomplishment in itself. I will be the one doing most of the talking because I am a talker. But, um, yeah, and but after, the rest was kind of history, man. Like, we'll have Diane on. We'll, there will be another part to this podcast, and you'll see the interview that I do with Diane. And Diane is our resident clinical 
psychologists. psychologists. I want to make sure I get that right. And um, she's freaking amazing. She's our fairy godmother, and her name is uh, Diane. Yes. And um, from she's a professor as well as St. Leo's University, and um, she's just amazing. And she's I'm a totally different person. And I, I know that people at home who, if anybody who's known me my whole life watches this video, they're going to be like, who the fuck is that? You know, like they might even be like, oh, he's faking or that's not even real. And and I promise you, I want you to comment, whatever, and leave your comments and questions, concerns, suggestions on the podcast. We want to hear all of that. But I want you to know that if you know me, you know that I've been in pain for a long time. You know, I've been an angry person for a long time and I don't want to be that person. And that's what the heat factory has done for me, man. And that's where we're doing this from. We're doing from a space that was donated by the heat factory that they allow us to record here and set this up. And which is also space that's donated by Joni Industries. Yep. And who's uh, a business that's owned by Gus Guadagnino. And uh, he's an amazing guy. He donates half of his business and his space to us, to the heat factory, to veterans. And, um, so what are some of the things that you think helped you the most in being here at the heat factory with your growth and your healing? I think one of the biggest things, it's actually something that as vets, you don't really think about when you get out. It was purpose. Because mm. once you get out, you don't know where you, what you want to do, mm -hmm. where you're going to go. Um, you just kind of want to sit at home, grow a beard, not really do much, as you guys can see. Yeah. <laughs> beard gang, beard gang. Um, but having a purpose was probably one of the biggest things that helped me. Mm -hmm. Just even before I started volunteering here as well as being in the program, just... I felt like I was getting a purpose again by being able to share what I'd learned and my experiences with other vets who might be going through something similar. Right. Yeah. I think that's similar for me. Maybe it's because it's something I didn't even look for. It was something that Diane kind of pointed me towards. She kind of guided me towards and helped me with finding purpose again, which was just come to find out it was just me figuring me out that was my purpose at first you know where a big part of it is is that i don't know how it was for you if you felt this way i don't know how many people how many vets watching are gonna feel this way um but i kind of felt like a prisoner getting out of prison when i got out the navy you know like it's just here's your bus ticket kind of shit you know like here's your belongings that you came in with and get the fuck out of the you know like yeah you know, i know that they do the two weeks some i don't know what different branches do different times army is a cap you know and uh, it's called taps for the navy right. i think if it's still called that it used to be called transitional something program but it's you know it it's well intended but let's be real like it's really just it's an afterthought. Right. It's just to check a box and it's just to say that they did it CYA for the government and for DOD to say, yeah, I'm doing this for my soldiers, my Marines and my sailors. But mm, no, yeah. you're not. You're really not. So, you know, it's, it's also typically underfunded. Yeah. Not I a mean, whole lot of resources. Yeah. I, but, you know, if but I feel like 
this is obviously this is just my opinion. There's no scientific data or anything. This is experience and opinion, man. But I feel like if you helped more of us before that we got out, then you would have less of us in trouble after we got out. Well, if you think about it, you have to get trained to be a soldier, but. When no. it's time to be a civilian again, they're just like right. Nobody, <laughs> nobody de-escalates you like they. And, and I don't care if you work in a warehouse or if you work fixing an antenna on a ship. The purpose of them is to train you and to program you to think structured certain kind of way to be able to follow an order to do this to do that in the way that they want you to. Yep. So now when you get out. Yeah, there's a sense of relief for most of us because you're like, man, I can't wait to get out and this and that. Like all of us have been there. But then when you get out, it's just like it's like that euphoria wears off and it's like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? Or it's like Stockholm oh, syndrome. Yeah, it's I don't even know if it is that. I don't even know. It's you want to get away. Man. And then... It's mental torture without without even having PTSD, like all of that aside, man. Like, that is mental torture to me now looking back on what I had to... Like, I started selling cars. I was I was, I was, was able to climb and fix antennas and do satellite communications, and I got out and started selling fucking cars, man. I could see that. Oh, really? I look like that kind of car yeah, salesman? Yeah, you, you, is that what look, it is? you look like that guy. Oh, man, that doesn't feel good. <laughs> but I was good at it, though. For the little bit of time I was in it and the the effort I did put into it, I, when I did put effort, I was good at it. But it was shortly after that, man, like that, because like a euphoria, like the, the just started to wear off. And I was just kind of like, like, I didn't know where I fit. I knew I was working. I knew I was supposed to make money and, you know, like all. But where did I fit? Like for the last eight plus years, I was. You a had sailor. a reason. Yeah, I had a purpose, too. Yep. It was more than just a job getting out and making money. Like, yeah, that was the best part about the militaries. Yeah, the 1st and 15th. You don't have to worry about your pay. You're yep. going to get it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't worry about pay, housing, food, health care. And then you get out and you're like... Life. Yeah. You feel me? And then it's just like, what the fuck am I going to do now? And, you, and nobody taught you how to deal with that or how to deal with life and much more so now you'll find i would think you're going to find that more because now they don't teach home ec they don't teach civics they don't teach any of these things in high school so these soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines that are going in when they get out life is going to hit them even harder oh yeah because they didn't they don't learn any of the life skills they're supposed to learn they don't even know how to balance a checkbook so when they get out it's like oh shit that's why so many of us are so bad with money when we get out yeah but to be honest i don't think that many People really use checks anymore well, either. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> to be honest, they might not even know how to monitor, even look into their checking account and look at their checking statement and read it or any of that. Because all they care about is that it has a certain number plus or minus there yeah. and that's it. They won't even look at anything else. As long as there's no negative in front of it, you're good. That, yeah, it's green. I can spend my money. It's okay. I can go buy me a pair of sneakers or whatever. Like, But there's no preparation for us man like when we get out and i feel like that's a major issue like because then you end up even if you didn't have a service connected ptsd you just don't know how to handle any situation after that moving forward in your life like as a citizen or slash civilian you know well, you, I mean? you like, go from being taught how to act you know exactly what you need to do every day mm -hmm. to freedom you have no idea you can do whatever the hell you want and you don't know where to go. Right. And even so, even more so, like, 
me and you, we work in the same place. You're not a veteran, but I'm a veteran. I'm used to a certain way of things being done. And if they're not getting done, I'm used to being able to tell you how to get it done a certain way. Yep. You've never de-escalated me from that. So now I work in a warehouse with you. And now I'm like, fuck, Cody. Man, I'm doing all your work. Now that I got to go to HR. Now there's a problem because I'm the problem guy. Now I'm angry. Now my PTSD makes me look crazy because no one helped me when I needed the help in getting out. Yep. It just said, so that's where I feel like other things kind of, there are a bunch of different variables and factors oh, that yeah. stem off from it. But I feel like we could really tie off a lot of that well, if they made it so, like, you know how you're supposed to tell them a year in advance, kind of, if you want to get out or you want to stay in, you want to extend or whatever you want to do. If that's the case for billeting, for their purposes of filling slots, why couldn't it be that way for our purposes when we get out? If I make a decision to get out, now start, have some kind of transition team. Like you said, the resources and funding aren't there. Well, let's put it there instead of that bottomless pit of money that we call the VA that does nothing for us mentally. All they do is they, they have plenty of great programs physically. If you're an amputee, if you're this, if you're that, they have great programs clinical. Depending on where you live. Depending on where you live. And <laughs> that's the truth. For the mo But mental health in this area is a problem. It's a problem. It's not addressed. We have a, a bunch of veterans who live in the woods here. Yep. And you, you would think, oh, not by choice. But it is by choice. Because of their mental health, they don't trust the government. They don't trust the VA. They don't trust people. Now, that's not just here. That's all over the it place. It is. But I can only speak to what I've experienced here Mental because we're speaking out to people all over the world, hopefully. So I'm only going to speak to what I've experienced right. here. Mental <clears throat> health is a big problem when it comes to veterans. It's, I feel no like matter, it, no matter what, whether you leave with some kind of <clears throat> mental issue or not, you're going to end up having them just based off your experiences. I agree because I have I've been diagnosed with what's called SSD. I can't remember, but it's kind of it's chronic pain syndrome what people used to known as and it, it's um can you look up what ssd is it's a kind of what it essentially is is that social security disability no i know mean, that's what most people are thinking right away <laughs> but the it's um what it is is it's essentially is that because i'm always in pain people who deal with chronic pain not just pain but i deal with chronic pain because i have chronic migraines chronic knee pain and back pain and because I deal with that, it puts me into a depressive state or into an anxious state. What's it called? What is it? Somatic system disorder. Somatic symptom. Symptom yeah, disorder. disorder. Somatic mm -hmm. symptom disorder. Yes. <clears throat> and that's what I've been diagnosed with. I didn't even know this till recently. Like this is, I've just been living with chronic pain for 15 yeah. years and taking pills from the VA and doing all these things and just... But meanwhile, mentally, nobody took it. Nobody at the VA. They've been giving me pills and trying to help me with my pain. They're not trying. They're not denying me that. But no one thought to address how it's affecting me mentally. That I can't get up or I keep scheduling or rescheduling appointments because I can't make it. Like, there's no quality assurance for the veteran. That's on you. Yeah, but that's and if you're mentally ill, how and you're just by yourself. Yep. You understand, like, oh, it's just on you. Yeah. We live in this society of individuals now that just care, but then they want to say, "Thank you for your service," or "We support our troops." Do you really, though? 
do you really care about that person that's ne- that's online behind you and looks a certain way and gets a I get stared at a certain way sometimes because I got a beard or I dress a certain way while I'm on the phone and I sound a certain way and they're like, you don't know what I've done in my life though, you know? If because- I'm not at work, I'm in cut off camo shorts and a t-shirt. The only time I look presentable is when I'm actually at my job. <laughs> so you, even this is where we're at, man. Like veterans come in all shapes and sizes and colors and and. and and <laughs> we are presentable it is it depends on what your context. definition it's is. It's important in oh, context. Presentable. Yeah, in co- yeah. Everything on here is in context. Yes. So. I mean, we're trying to help people here. We're trying to help other veterans. We're having a lot of fun with certain things and, and constructive criticism is very is welcome. I'm not opposed to any of that. I but we can do things in a respectful manner. We don't have to be trolls. We don't have to continue to mentally hurt each other or scar each other so if you are going to put those kinds of comments on our page you can guarantee that it's going to be deleted right away there will be no response to it there will be nothing going on with that because we are here to help each other this is going to be an outlet for local veterans and hopefully veterans of abroad or what you know in different parts of the country or the world and that's not what we're trying to do we're trying to bring on different veterans different perspectives if we can get different um, careers and jobs or whatever, right? We welcome that. But what we're not going to welcome is just disrespect, negativity, or any of that kind of troll behavior. So I I would appreciate it if people just... I want you to keep it real. I want you to be truthful. I just hope that you could be respectful in doing so. That's all I ask in us moving forward with this podcast and with the show. What do you think, Cody? You agree? I agree. So... You know, we were talking about how we got out and so forth. You were stationed in Germany when you got out, and then you came. How was that process like? Then, because I got out and I was stationed in Mayport, Florida, so it was nothing. It was just like I drove off base, right? But for you, you had to fly, or were yeah. you living there? Or you stayed there after you got out for a while, or no, what happened? Um, when I got out, I had two weeks. I was told I had to go through this entire process, do a cab, get all my signatures, and get Holy the fuck out. Holy shit! Um, one of the last things I did was they bought me an airline ticket, and once I finished my paperwork, signed it that final time, handed it in, they took me off post, put me in a van, and took me to the airport. Were you with your wife at that time? Already? Yeah, yeah, I was. And you met her in Germany? Yes. That's pretty awesome, though. I mean, so she's a native German? and uh, No, actually. So uh, that, how does that work? She was born in New Hampshire. Ah, okay. Mom's German. Dad was an American soldier. It's kind of the same Tales scenario. Tales all this time. Yeah. <laughs> History repeating itself. Yeah, pretty much. For sure, for sure. So that that's pretty cool, though. I mean, you, so she speaks pretty fluent German. Yeah. Fluent German and so English. So your son is going to... He's yeah. got a... Cody has a toddler. Yes. About to go through the terrible twos soon. The maniac twos. And he's already terrible. The whirlpool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. The Tasmanian devil uh, he, chaos. He, he's already like that. <laughs> Ask Tyler. Well, I look... I'm going to... I look forward to meeting him. Last time I went to your house, he was napping, so... It's, yeah. And uh, that's cool, though, man. I mean, that's... That's different, because, like... My cousin Carlos, who will be on the podcast at some point, he 
that's where his wife, his yep. wife is German. She was from Germany and his kids are half German. They live over there still, but uh, thankfully your wife lives here with you now. So I know that was pretty tough for you for a few months, it, yep. that separation, but it's awesome that she's here now. It was good to meet her. But for me, man, it was just my wife and I, we met over seven years ago, man. Like, And let me tell you, man, like, I, I don't even know how to put it into words. Like, Because this place has done so much for me. But before I was really ready for help, that woman was saving my life before I even knew she was saving my life. You know, like she balanced me out. We met. I worked security for my boy hooked me up. I worked for a security company called SOS Security in New York. And I was working at a high-end hotel called the Hudson Hotel. And doing security there. And she was a housekeeping manager. Hmm. We met. We would talk. I was kind of going out, getting out of a relationship with another woman that was very volatile, very toxic. Like, she was just anger-based. And, um, the relationship or the woman? Yeah, the, with the with, <laughs> yeah, right. How could that ever happen? But uh, so she, we, we were just friends, man, just cool, chilling, talking, and flirting here and there. The more that, the less I was with my, you know, like me and her, we were the the more distance that I put between that relationship and myself. I was more the more I became single per se. The more I became enamored by this woman i'm like man she's so different man like i'm not used to women this nice like if anybody knows my she's common law marriage so i'll say wife a lot on this show but my because she is she's my heart she's my wife uh, she's my everything but if that's it's just crazy how i've never met someone as nice like truly nice like she just knows how to talk to you even when she gets mad, she'll smile at you and she'll make you feel like shit with a smile on her face. And it's not patronizing or condescending because if you know who she is, that's how she talks all the time. And it's like, can you get mad at me just once? Just once get mad. But I guess I'm an extreme anger dude and she's extremely nice. So we kind of, ba- we kind of balance each other out for a long time, but um. That eventually ran its course. But anyway, we, you know, fell in love working there. And before you knew it, we were just together on a regular basis. And um, it wasn't as exciting as you meeting in an exotic country in Germany over brats and beer. No, actually, kind of. (laughs) You did. We met in the back of a car on the way to go get drunk. No, just... Go get drunk on a weekend. Well, every every weekend is Oktoberfest when you live in Germany, right? Like... Americans make it a one month, once a month thing. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, we met within a couple hours. We were so drunk, we were sober again. <laughs> it was a long night. Well, I'm I'm glad that I've only met her once, but she kind of keeps you. Yes, she's almost the polar opposite of me. Yeah, like, but that's what I feel like. With my wife, it's the same thing. Like, the old me, man, like, if it was me before the heat factory and me and my wife were going through the problems we're going through, bro, I would have been out there, like, not to say I would get all the girls because I'm. that's not 
easy to do, especially in 2020. But not that you really want to in this area. Yeah, in this day and age, or in this area, or this day and age at all. But my whole thing is just like, you like I now you know, like you reach a certain age, and you're. I'm glad that you realize at a younger age, like in your 20s, that. Shit that I didn't realize in my twenties. I just started realizing them now in my late, you know, my early forties, my late thirties, and I'm like, ah, so that's how you're supposed to do this. So that's and it's like, you know, just realizing when somebody gives a shit about you, you know, like it's not always about you, and you know, part of it is PTSD and all of that. But I don't want to use that as a crutch or an excuse for all the fucking all the horrible shit I've done in my oh, life, yeah. man, because. If you've known me, I've been, I've tried to be a good person as much as possible, but we all do bad shit and we've all been bad people at some point in our life. Like no one's that way all the time. Um, well, not a hundred percent of the time. Unless you're a vet, then you're now always an asshole. Yeah. Part of that, I think I've grown out of too, man, because of my, part of my age, my experience, the heat factory, you know, like the tools and say, cause you learn now, you know, part of what you learn in combating PTSD is that you want to try to be more empathetic or compassionate to be in the mindful in the moment, um, be present, you know, like to kind of, so that you don't go ahead and think of what you're going to do to this person or what you're not going to do or whatever. And, you know, or to kind of stave off the depression. Like if you're feeling a certain way, you you know, you kind of got to center yourself again. And so these are things that I learned and in learning them, I just, I don't know. I've been told I'm less of an asshole. So I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> not saying asshole, that it worked. But less I'm prob- of an right. I'm just less of one. I'm not saying I'm cured. I'm not. I'm, I'm still an asshole to an extent, but just less of one. Like mm. I'm, a, I'm a more empathetic and compassionate asshole. There now, you go. I think. So, I mean, those of you out there that I'm sure that are vets that you've been called an asshole more than once or twice in your life, yo, embrace it. Embrace the assholeness. It's okay. It's We're just of, a different breed. That's it. We're the 1%, man. There's a 1% out there of the world who has all the money, and there's a 1% who decided to serve their country and do things that other people wouldn't. I don't know what 1% you'd rather be part of, but I'm happy with the one I... I mean, I wouldn't mind a couple of dollars, but deep down, truthfully, my soul, I'm damn proud to be part of that other 1%. That, yep. So, you know, we're... We're, this is all new, and we just wanted you to kind of understand who we are, where we come from, um, what we're trying to do. We're trying to, you know, just bring some light, shine some light onto um, veterans' issues in between the lines, like what you don't see on the news or real people's lives. Where we'll have Vietnam vets, maybe even a Korean vet here or there, or definitely, you know, we're gonna have our our uh, resident nutritionist. Uh, Joe Hernandez on um, coming on soon on our next podcast and he's um, had four I believe three or four deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan and um, you know you know not to say that his story is what everyone's story is but the point is is that we want people out there to understand that we all have a story yes and we all deserve to be heard even if you you worked in just a warehouse or you worked on you were just on a ship and you know like we didn't see what some of you out there have seen. And if you have, we welcome your input or, you know, if you, if you need help, if you're looking for help, if you ask questions about PTSD or the heat program itself, then please feel free to email, 
please subscribe to our channel as well. That's a big thing because none of we can't continue without. I mean, we do this for free. We do this out of because we want to do this. This is a, our new purpose, our new calling, and um, this is we don't have money or capital or connections or any of that. We're just trying whatever. This is something we're trying. Fuck it. Like we've we have value and we want to show the world that we do. Yeah. I'm trying to give veterans a voice. That's it. And the everyday veteran, not just the veteran that you see that is at DAV or working with uh, wounded warriors and some of the bigger programs because the Heat Factory is a very small program. And real quick, one of the things that are, makes the Heat program a little different than most others is that it works in conjunction in trying to help not just veterans, but first responders as well in helping with PTSD and spouses and spouses spouses of veterans and first responders. So it's not, there aren't very, very many people that will be turned away from the heat factory. If you're coming here for help, if you have a mental problem, if you're feeling a certain way, if you don't qualify for the program, we try and help you out. 100%. We will find help for you. We will find somebody that can help you. So, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Don't let fear and shame dictate you getting better or you wanting to get better because it doesn't matter if you're a trauma nurse, uh, a dispatcher, firefighter, paramedic, obviously police officer, you know, come on in. Like, I know that there's a stigma that attached to it for you guys, but... Same as there was with the military. Same as the military, but that's changing for us. And that can change for, for first responders. And we'll have first responders on here in the future. And, you know, the biggest thing about the, well, to most people, you wonder like, wow, you know what, do I have to give anything? You just have to bring yourself. This place is free. Yep. Everything is free. You want to use the gym? It's free. I know that Planet Fitness has $10 a month, but here we have a veteran who's going to help you, maybe get you on the right plan for yourself, your weight. Like I was saying, Joe is a professional power lifter in his life. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. These are people who are donating their time and they're here and they want to help. And if you want the help, they're willing to give it. And I'm sitting here with the courage to be able to do this because this is something I spoke to Cody about when I first got here. I've wanted to do this forever, right? Yep. It's been almost a year. And (laughs) you'll you'll definitely hear more of our story moving forward, depending on guests and who we have moving forward. But um, I'm here because something just... It's that purpose, man. It's that that feeling of commitment again. Like I was when I was in the military that says, you know what? What if 10 people laugh at you when you're doing your podcast? But what if you just help that one person, man? That one person that calls the heat. That's all that matters. That's all that matters because I was that one person a year ago when it was just you and Cole. Yep. I was the one person who walked through the door. And now we have a room full of people who come from the veterans court. And that come from different places. And we have older veterans and younger veterans. And now we have roughly on a good day about 15, maybe 17 veterans in the group now. Yeah. And it's growing. It is growing. Unfortunately, um, here and there, we have veterans that leave. and um, But the journey is not for everyone at the same time, I guess. Is that the right way to put it? Like yeah, Everyone's at a different place in their healing. Yeah. So um, there was a point where I almost didn't come back and Cody talked me back into coming back. Um, 
talked me off the ledge because I had some other issues with another veteran. And I just felt, you know, the old me, that angry and fearful and shameful person started to come out. And this is the kind of help you're going to get at the heat factory because Cody didn't forcefully help me. He didn't shake me or he just, you know, he kind of just talked to me like a veteran would, like another service member would. And just like, hey, you know, like, go ahead, take your time. You know, just don't quit the program. If you want to take your time from the, they take a step back from the actual heat program, then you do that. But don't give up on the program. Don't give up on actually coming in on Mondays and doing the modules and the real work. And I will forever be grateful for you, to you for that, brother, because my life could be very different today. I'm not saying I could be as bad as I was a year ago, but it couldn't, I wouldn't be this good, bro, had I not come back and... I know what this program has done for me and people like you and Diane and Marsha, who will be on one. She's one of the social workers here. She'll be on soon. And, you know, like this is truly a village raising each other, man, help raising each other up. And I know it sounds cheesy at home and people who are watching this, who know me from the hood and all that going to be like, man, who the fuck is this? Like, what is he saying? Like, I want to just help veterans, man, in any yep. way I can, give them a voice. But if you want to help, if you're in the Brooksville, Spring Hill, Tampa area, and you really want to just help a local veterans out, a program that's just trying to grow, hit subscribe, give us a like, just give us your time more than anything, man. Time is more than money right now. and um, But we're not afraid and we're not ashamed and we're here and we want to we wanna stand up for the regular vet, man. The regular vet that has to sit at the VA for four hours and then his <laughs> then his appointment is canceled or he didn't know about it. Or, you know, we want to stand up for the vet who... Or the doctor was on vacation and no one told him. No one told <laughs> Yeah, that happens. Yes, that's happened to me before. Yep. Um, you know, we those are the vets that we would love to give a voice to. And if you can leave those comments and those... Con tell us. To give me, I don't care if it's a soliloquy. Tell me, give me a chapter story on the on the comments and tell me what happened to you. I want to talk about it. Yep. I want to know. I, I want other people to know. And you never know when sharing your experience might help someone else. hundred percent. And I think that's the biggest thing because I learned that in the heat factories by sharing. Um, I was able to learn from other people as well as people were indirectly learning from me. So uh, please, whatever you do, Please check out part two. Part two is really important. It's the uh, interview with Diane, with Diane Scotland Coogan. And like, again, she's our clinical psychologist here at the Heat Factory. She's a professor at St. Leo's University. And she's the one that kind of um, provides the modules and kind of come, has come up with the, the program. She's the one that designed the Designed program. the program. Yes. Perfect. So get ready for one hell of a show. Uh, 2020 is going to be one hell of a fucking year, man. I'm looking so forward to it. And what about you, Cody? Excited? Yeah, it's another year. Uh, all right. Well, you guys out there, enjoy your week. And uh, this is Tim. And Cody. And Tyler for Talking Context. And uh, do me a favor. And everyone out there, just please stay forward and stay positive. Have a great one. It's uh, Talking Context. With uh, Tim, Cody, and Tyler. Cody's not here with us today because he's at a VA appointment. And uh, But we're here with Diane. And she's our fairy godmother here at the Heat Factory. So uh, I'll let her introduce herself and tell you guys a little bit about herself. And then we'll take it from there. 
Uh, okay. My, I um, am a licensed clinical social worker, but I'm also, I have my doctorate in psychology, and I teach master in social work program locally here. But my doctoral dissertation was on PTSD and with veterans, actually. So I just feel a passion for this. And studying what happens in your body when this is happening really helped me understand how to work with veterans. Okay. Well, that it's very evident in what you've taught me over the past year because, um, as most of you will learn over the time that you're sharing with us, that I was a totally different person this time last year when I pretty much almost a year ago now that I came in looking for help. And thankfully, Gus and yourself were here and have trained and instilled and invested so much in me. And I'm just, I couldn't be more thankful and more grateful for what you do. And I know that it's genuine what you believe in and what you do for us. And um, it's, you should Seeing be commended. change you should is definitely be commended is for the payback for us. Yeah. Seeing yeah. people get well and start enjoying life again. That's really important, especially people that weren't really leaving their house and were having <laughs> relationship issues, were angry, um, not sleeping well. Um, nobody deserves to live like that. I, I agree. And um, here at the Heat Factory, uh, we focus on non-judgmental uh, kind of therapy or help. And uh, that, is, for me, that was the number one thing that kept me here and kept me wanting to come back here is your understanding and your... Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people who have learned a lot of the same things you've learned book-wise, have gone to school, and it's the way you implement it. It's the way who you are and how trusting you are with us, I think. And um, that's what's helped me, to help me trust myself and to help, I guess, trust people out there because I didn't trust anybody before coming here. I wouldn't even be on here on a podcast or doing any kind of show because I'm let's be real. I'm just a veteran. I'm just a guy from Brooklyn, New York, who had a crazy and upside down life. And I forgot all about that until I met you. You know, you opened a lot of doors for me and you're doing it for a lot of people. And I'm so thankful and grateful and people should know more about that. So um, can you tell us more about um, what are the things moving forward that you have plans for here at the Heat Factory and for the veterans? Sure. And first responders as well, I'm sorry. Yes, and first responders. Um, the first thing that everybody needs to know is that you do not have to define your life by your past. Mm -hmm. And you are not in a hopeless situation. Because I've seen incredible change simply in attending the group. Um, and how the camaraderie is helpful in healing and and then once somebody starts to heal then they want to speak so we take them out when we speak at other organizations and uh, also having people work here at the heat mm -hmm. so that they realize that they have purpose and that they are capable right. of going out and and doing something that helps others it's very healing um, we are really getting ready to expand greatly um, which is awesome to hear I'm, so, I'm very excited for what's to come down the pipeline I really yeah it's, it's awesome we are um, starting Wednesday we will have two case managers here and two therapists mm -hmm. so everybody that comes through will be signed a case manager and a therapist um, to kind of have their back 
the case managers will be going through helping with benefits, navigate that um, situation. They will be um, attending veterans court, as will the therapists, with their veterans. Can, um, very quickly, can you just uh, expand a little bit more on the Veterans Court and what the pro, what the relationship is right now with the Heat Factory and Veterans Court and, and what's the purpose and the direction that it's moving in? All right, so Veterans Court um, has what we're doing, what they're doing is veterans who have had legal issues um, go through can go through Veterans Court if they are, I believe, misdemeanors, but... I can't be sure if that's what it is. I but, believe so, too. I yeah. believe it's it can't be a felony. Right. And so... Um, or maybe it is, because we have... Yeah. We do have a couple of guys. Sure. But that, they're... But well, we could find out the more specifics on that. But the important thing is, is that the court is not turning their back on them. Right. And it's made for rehabilitation. If they go completely through the Veterans Court program, all charges are wiped out. Wow. So um, when... People go through uh, Veterans Court, they have a choice of going to the STEPS program, which I believe is for um, people who have been arrested for drug issues. Mm -hmm. And the others are referred to us. Um, and then we decide if they'd be a fit for the program. So um, what does that mean? Basically, it means would they be able to engage in the program with um, all that we offer here? Right. And um, are they open to engaging in the program? But I have found that people that come to group, the, they're not always vocal and they're not always happy to be there. But by the end of the first group, they are really understanding how important this program can be for them and that it's not punitive. Mm -hmm. um, I will not allow anybody in the group to look down on themselves anymore because they have made a sacrifice and I'm grateful. And because they're dealing with issues like PTSD, they shouldn't be penalized for that. So right. I just trying to teach them how to live in a world that's different than what they left behind. Mm -hmm. So um, each week we talk about a different skill to learn, whether it's communication or relationships or managing depression, managing anxiety, um, managing sleep, sleep, anger, hygiene. sleep hygiene, how to sleep again. Um, we do one on nutrition and exercise, and I'm probably leaving some out, uh, trust and self-awareness, mm -hmm. uh, moral injury, all the things that they struggle with. And we just kind of talk about what it really means and why they are thinking that way. Um, it's very easy to be negative and down and sad um, when you're not feeling well and people aren't reacting well to you, mm -hmm. but we teach them how to change that and how to have a better relationship and understand where some of the issues might be and at the same time calming their PTSD. And I could definitely attest to everything you're saying wholeheartedly, 100%, that that is your goal, that is your purpose, and that is what you're getting through to people like me because I was that person, didn't want to leave my house, didn't want to do any of those things, and uh, didn't even speak at first. Yeah, that's pretty common. And, you know, and yeah, and I'm fine. You know, we as someone who's been here for a year, I see other veterans come in and it's, it is very common. And it's just awesome to see when they start to progress and I start to see a little bit of myself in them mm -hmm. and where I was. And I'm like, man, this shit is really working, you know, yeah. like this is real, you know. And and the first time you see someone smile. Yeah. And, it, and it's so hard to explain to someone like 
what it is that the changes that are happening to you because they've only known you as this angry or fearful or shameful person your whole life. And then it's like, well, I'm this person now. And they're like, yeah, it's magic. Or it's what kind of mumbo jumbo are you on? Or what drugs are you smoking? Mm-hmm. You know, like, but no, it's, this is, I'm actually high on life now. Like I actually understand that there's more to it all that I With can't absolutely explain. no other change in your life that would attribute to that. Right. And, and, and a big thing is, is that two big things were forgiveness and permission that you taught me over the last year that have really things that I'm still working on today and I will forever uh, implement in my life because you've taught me about not just forgiving other people, but my own self-forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to, you know, have, giving myself the permission just as simple as just to be happy. Even in a shitty day or crappy day, and I'm happy today. So, And it's funny that we should need someone to give us permission yeah. to forgive. Um, because some people feel like if they forgive, they are letting somebody get away with something. But the forgiveness is about letting go of that burden that you're carrying on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about saying what they did is okay, because it will never change that what they did wasn't okay. Right. Whatever's done is done, you know? Right. And you don't have to have a relationship with that person when you forgive them. Right. You have to let it go for yourself. And that's hard. So (laughs) when you start with forgiveness, you just say, I choose to forgive. And then you just wait for the feelings to follow because they take a little longer. Right. Yeah, I definitely I I definitely feel that the same way. It's just. um, It's so freeing. It really is. I mean, it's just, that's the only way. And then when I describe, I'm sure that there are family members at home in New York where that are going to watch this or hear this and they're going to be like, who the fuck is that guy? (laughs) You know, like, who's Tim? What Tim is that? Like, I've never met that guy that smiles and enjoys life. Mm -hmm. And that's not the guy I remember. So, because the truth is, I've never been this person, and I'll never be the person I was before I met you, and I've met Gus, and I met the people here at the Heat Factory. I'll never be that person again. As much as as angry, as depressed, as bad as life gets, I can't unknow what I know now. Right, and also it's you know saying that it's not just you mm-hmm. that have come through like that. We see this time and time again, and one of the key things is that we tell people you don't have to leave this program, because I worry about you know, them just going back to their old ways mm-hmm. because the, the modules are 14 weeks and we haven't been able to discuss, you know, where you're going to go next in, after 14 weeks, you know. So we just say to keep on coming. And some of them are repeating these modules three and four times. That's learning me. Something I've done different. It. Yeah, yeah, I've done I've done some of them four or five times. It's just because I want to be here every Monday, because every Monday that we have a different person or a different, everybody has a different week. So that yeah. as long as we keep trusting in group, it comes out that, yeah, we talked about communications three weeks ago, communication skills, or but this week, different things have happened to us as veterans or in our lives, our personal lives that we could attribute now to, well, maybe a month ago, I had nothing to say on that subject, but now I do have something to say. So, and then I can learn, I indirectly learn from that other person, you know, like, absolutely. this is, this is the, this is the movement that this is what has inspired me as just a sailor from Brooklyn, New York, who did what I did, lived my life, who some out there would consider a nobody, but I know I'm somebody. Mm-hmm. I, and and I would have believed them a year ago and I wouldn't be sitting here. I would have just said, I'm nobody. Who the hell am I to do a podcast? Who the hell am I to sit down in front of people and just talk what I think is on my mind? 
or telling people what you needed to hear. And I think one of the key things when we talk about mindfulness, you know, it's not this guru movement, you know, that it's really important and it's about just going outside and looking at the color of the grass <laughs> and, you know, looking yep. at the colors of the leaves, looking at, at birds and actually seeing them, you know, even if it's that, that small, but it has a biological response. Definitely. It starts to calm the stress response. So the more you do it, the more you're addressing your PTSD problems or anxiety problems. And you could have told me that so you were blue in the face until I actually made the choice, cognitive decision to say, you know what, a conscious decision to say, you know what, I'm going to sit outside and look at these damn lizards. Yeah. And, and that's what it was for me that really started my healing was when I... I began to trust you. I began to trust what you were saying and I gave myself permission to trust. And I started to look at the lizards and just watch them and it took me into another place. Um, but that was, and then before you know it, it was just momentum. It was like the snowball going downhill now and where before it felt like yeah. shit rolling downhill. Now I feel like it's just a snowball. Like I just feel like. And you want to get back. That's I do. That's a big thing. I yeah. know I, I tell them in the beginning that you have to, envision yourself in the middle of a big iceberg mm -hmm. and every time you do one of the skills that I'm teaching you you are chipping away to getting back to yourself and yep. Tim's laughing because you know now <laughs> we say chip 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 because it's not uh, something that happens overnight yep um, but it does come you know you you would notice a difference within the first couple of weeks it's without a doubt a, it's so unexplainable the, the feeling that comes over you when you're chipping away and you're chipping away and you feel like you're, you, you know, like you understand the analogy as the person that's going through it. And then when you just chip away that one spot and you can breathe and you're like, <gasps> yeah. oh, wow. Like and then, then, then that's when yeah, it's like clarity. And then you start to say, you know what? This stuff works, man. Like I, I have to like you make it a point to implement it in your life. And I've seen. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in, you know, at least five or six other veterans who come here who are really making, like, doing this. And they try, like, I've seen a complete 180 in them. Yeah. And it's not because you have any magic or anything. It's just the honest truth is because you care. I do care. But I also, my first practice was with children in trauma. Mm. And I knew very early on that I couldn't talk them out of what they were feeling and mm -hmm. the anxiety they were experiencing because I could say that will never happen to you again, but they never thought it would happen to them in the first place. Wow. So yeah. it, it was futile. Mm -hmm. um, so we started working on skills that some of the things I still bring today because PTSD is PTSD. Right. But I started studying what was going on in your body mm -hmm. and the, um, the hormonal flows, you know, that, happen when you have an overactive stress response, which is exactly what PTSD is. Your part of your brain that you normally t calms you and tells you everything's okay has given up because mm -hmm. you've worked it too hard. And so from that point forward, my work became about doing things that calm that response so that they can start to feel physically better. Mm. And then that ends up being mentally better. I think one of the saddest things I heard was a veteran that said, he was concerned that the best part of his life was behind him and mm -hmm. he was only in his 30s. And yes. I just, it's so sad because there's so much life ahead at that point. Um, I think a lot of us unfortunately feel that way. Um, something that Cody and I speak about a lot and we'll speak 
further on a lot more is the fact that um, they train you to be a soldier, to be a sailor, but no one trains you to be a citizen. And that's no. basically what we do here, training yeah. you to have um, acceptable conversation around the water cooler and yeah. you know, um, and how to deal with people, how to look at you know people's motives. Part of PTSD is losing the ability to trust. Mm-hmm. So how do you have a relationship if you can't trust? And Brene Brown says we're wired to belong. Mm-hmm. So if you're not building relationships, you don't belong. And then, you know, there's that... Then you're secluded, solitude, exactly. then you're, so, you're left with your own self-doubts, your own overthinking, your own darkness. Yeah. And it's a path that for some of us starts at, in childhood and it's never addressed. And then you go into the military and that's kind of expanded upon and they kind of, they want to use that to make you the better killer and to be the better sailor or Hostility. soldier. Yeah, because anger, anger is their weapon. That's what they want. Anger you. is courage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, you know, like, so uh, once they do that, then it, it's. But the thing is, is that no one tell they just turn the switch off. Like, you know, it's like a hard reboot for us when we get out. And and I, and it doesn't matter if you've seen combat or not. It's no, not even it about that. Matter. It's about how they train you in boot camp and the way they have trained you to be and rewired your mind to be your behaviors to be. And then they say, we don't need that anymore. Or if you choose to get out, there's no transition. I mean, I people are going to probably put in the comments they have the taps and all these transitional programs but you know what that's a week long you spent four years or eight years or 12 years of your life doing this and being a certain kind of sailor marine or soldier and then you gotta get out and it's like ah here you go like i think it would behoove more us as a society and as uh veterans and as uh soldiers and marines and sailors to have a program where you have to decide, all right, six months before you're supposed to get out, are you going to stay in longer or are you going to get out? Because if you're going to get out, then we need to start you on these counseling sessions so that you know how to be a citizen when you get out. And they're you, not even so much counseling as they are just, teaching, yeah, right? Like a tra- yeah, yeah, like, like an, a training I, almost. Yeah, like a training, yes, because, very much so. Because, you know, so. veterans don't like the idea of counseling, but yeah. it really isn't. Um, and it's, first of all, recognizing that... It's not a weakness mm-hmm. to give in. It's not a weakness to love. And I didn't know that till I came here. That's something I learned here. It wasn't something, you know, that... You Being know, vulnerable. Yeah, you it, can't have a decent relationship unless you can allow yourself to be vulnerable. 100%. And vulnerability is seen as weakness when actually it's very courageous to put yourself out there like that. Yeah. Um, so we try to talk through all those things and, and it's not common sense. We right. wouldn't know these things if someone didn't tell us. Um, and that's what ends up happening. I always say, think of your, mu- your brain as a muscle mm-hmm. that you're working just like you would work your biceps, you know, you're going to work it and working. It means you're going to have to start thinking differently and choosing to think differently. And I'm just so happy that you give us, um, more, not more, but uh, an easier path or more understanding path of how to, for us to work it. Because we're so used to what the VA tells us and what they tell, like your, your understanding and the way that you implement or get your point across to us is in a way that with so much compassion and empathy that it's just, it's like, all right, how, like, what do I have to lose by giving it a shot? That kind of thing. I mean, that's, I'm speaking yeah. for me and that's how I felt like, 
man, this woman is awesome. She's sitting here giving her own time to sit here with me. Like, what do I have to lose by just going outside and looking at the freaking lizards? You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. who knew that that would start me on what I tell people out there in the world and my family, my friends, this is my healing journey because a journey has a starting point, but doesn't have a destination. You don't know when you're, when you're done until you're done on a journey. That's true. And the joy is the journey itself. Exactly. Not the destination. Very much. So yeah, very much so. It. And so, you know, I speak with my cousin Carlos and my, you know, I, I compare it to my journey is a path. Like every day you put down a path and some days you put down cobblestones. Some days you put down potholes. Some days you put down golden bricks, you know, like it's, it's all, yeah. but you know what? The important thing is that you're putting down something, that you're moving on that journey. I don't know how right I am, but it feels right for me to live this way. Well, and you have stated before, it doesn't mean every day is going to be a good day. Right. And if you do not not having a good day, it doesn't mean you're failed or you're taking a step back. It just means you're human. Right. Um, and I think what the key is, is watching relationships heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, at first spouses are a little leery because it's such a change. And, um, and then they see that it's sustained. Yeah. And, and another great point about, uh, part of the heat factory that a lot of other, um, programs won't don't, or don't have the ability to address is the family member is the spouse or the children. And the heat factory is very welcoming that, Spouses are, can sit in on with us on Mondays and kind of hear us out and be part of it and understand where we come from. And they can work out with the personal trainer. Right yes, they can go to the gym members. and they could, they have the same uh, benefits that we that as veterans have here at the E-Factory. Yeah. They share in those as well with us. And that's that was a big selling point for me because I shouldn't say selling point. That's a bad phrase. But it was a it, it was, was important. A, to you. It was important to me. Yeah. Very much so, because. When I came here was because I was at my lowest point because I'm going through a separation of sorts. And I was at my lowest point and I thought my life was over and because my wife was gone and everything was crumbling around me. And here it is. The universe puts a program in front of me that's going to help me to be a better me so that she could understand as well. And she can be on my journey with me instead of me just telling her what I'm doing. She's going to share in this with me. And... The fact that I was able to do that, even though she moved to New York and we were separated and because of the things I've learned here, I'm, I'm a better person. I don't care who's I'm not being conceited or anything. I have to have pride in myself and I, I'm a better person today than I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And that's because of what I've learned here and those things that I was able to share with her. And when she does visit, she loves to make sure that her visit when she comes to visit me revolves around a Monday. She wants to come in on Monday. She wants to see the guys. She wants to see you. She wants to say hello and know that this is my family. This is my support system. And to, she's witnessed this change in me. And it's, you know, and I don't, you know, me a year ago, if anybody knows me at home, I probably would have been out there and said, oh, it's over. I would have been with another woman already out doing this and that. And but this year is a testament, oh, this past year is a testament to everything I'm learning here, you know? Like, it's just, it can happen for you. It can happen for anybody out there who hears this. It can, ha if, I know it sounds so cheesy and so cliche and you hear people say it all the time, but if it happened to me, it can happen to you. I've thought about killing myself. I've thought about being there. And, and there are times, even in the past year, I still thought about that, even when I had good days. 
Yeah. Well, I think for that, it's basically the one thing we know which would end all the pain we're having. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's a very, sh- you know, it's a long-term solution to a short-term problem because we can help you see the world differently. Right. And some of you are even struggling with pain and uh, pain actually lessens when you have PTSD and you're not sleeping, your pain is going to be more severe during the day as is your symptoms of PTSD. Mm -hmm. So helping you sleep, um, you know, the fact that positivity increases your immune system um, because anxiety does impact your immune system in a very negative way. Mm -hmm. Um, It actually suppresses the release of our natural killer cells, which will go out and take care of any viruses or bacterias. And and so that when those are suppressed, you're more apt to get sick. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that this anxiety does to you, which we are addressing and going out and looking at the lizards at my, I always look at my snails. It sounds strange, but it was the only way I could think of to teach what mindfulness is Mm -hmm. being in the moment, Mm -hmm. um, without being silly. So if you're taking a walk, notice your environment. Anxiety is, is about anticipating what might happen to you. Right. So as soon as you start staying in the moment, that anxiety stops flowing. Um, it, it counteracts it, let's say that. Um, and the more you do that, chip, 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 yep. chip the better chip, you're going to start feeling. Yeah, and I, I hope that moving forward, we get a little bit more attention. We get a little bit more of... Um, some funding. Some funding. I mean, we do take donations, not for us, but for the heat factory, no matter what happens. Because um, nobody here is making a salary at no, all. No, we do everything just because this is us doing service and just mm-hmm. wanting to help the universe and put out some positivity into the world. So we would like to start offering these modules, these teaching modules on an online platform. Oh, that as well. Yeah. I forgot all about right. that. Yeah. So we're looking to get a donation to pay for our, our uh, zoom account. That would be awesome. Which if is we about $200 a year. And I know that seems like a little amount, but it's, um, it's everything else on top of that utilities and everything. One hundred percent, and and we and you know it needs to be said again that uh, we've spoken about it when we had the interview with Gus. But Gus is Gus Guadagnino is an amazing guy. He's he is an angel. He he has helped us so much. He donates this room that we're in was in his old first office in this building of Joni mm-hmm. Industries here in Brooksville, uh, Brooksville slash Spring Hill, Florida, and half of his building for his business. His personal business, he's donated for the Heat Factory and Veterans. We have workout equipment, treadmills. We have a personal trainer here, Joe Hernandez, that you guys will meet later on. He'll be on a podcast soon. He's also a nutritionist. And he's also a nutritionist and a power, he's like a, a power lifter, a mm-hmm. professional power lifter. So, and you know, a veteran. And a veteran. He's done, I, I want to say he's done uh, three or four deployments to Afghanistan and Iraq over his time. And we also have two therapists. Mm-hmm. that are going to be seeing veterans and their families. And this is all free. And nothing in the heat factory is charged. Nothing is charged. And you can stay and come and go as much as you want. There's no kind of membership or club that you're part of. It's just a family here. And would love to see these open up all over the country. Yeah. I mean, well, let's, let's touch on that real quick. Because the Veterans Court, is that a common thing? Is that something that is around the country? Or is it just a Florida thing? Do you know? I'm not sure. I know it is all around us here in Florida. Okay. Um, it's the Veterans Court, Drug Court are all located in the same area. 
what um, we've well we've heard from other veterans their testimony that they've said that uh it's exceptional they, I guess what they do for the veterans here in Hernando County and Pasco I mean those all I could speak of because that's who talks to me I uh, if there are other counties comment on the page or yes. uh, please come to the heat factory you want to have a meeting contact Diane contact Gus uh, maybe we can set something up and we can partner up and it's not about anyone being in charge it's about us just being a team right absolutely um, you know, one of the judges at Veterans Court said he was amazed at the attitude change when they get back from the heat. One of them, uh, one of the veterans I want to have is Max. He's been, um, I'd like to call him a friend now, but, you know, he got here. He, he was different. He was just, we all have our own issues, my own problems that we're coping and dealing with. And I just see it's hard to put into words the change that I've seen in that man, like w- who he is and the way he's carrying himself and yeah. the light that's with him now instead of the darkness. And I know I look at him and I'm like, man, or even my cousin Carlos, I look at them and I'm like, is that what I sounded like? You know, like mm-hmm. it's just. And he he was um, not open, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just takes a little bit. To get open. And one of them had said uh, after the first meeting, it was the first time he felt hope. <laughs> so for those of you who don't wow. feel hope, it's here. It is. And we deserve to feel and joy. Yeah. Regardless of your situation, you deserve to feel joy. 100%. Yes, we do. Um, I know I was a veteran. I'm a veteran. So we've been speaking a lot about the veteran side, but I don't want it to be... Um, Ignore or dismissive of the first responder side no, that we have here. First responders have the same symptoms. Mm-hmm. They are actually living in the place where they've experienced their traumatic events. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly reminded. Um, but it's very hard for anybody that is still in law enforcement or any sort of first responder to seek help um, for fear of retribution or loss of job, whatever that might be. Where we find as veterans where we're out that right. we learn that vulnerability is actually not a weakness or strength. They can never grasp that because they have to go to work essentially every day. Is that, that's kind of what you're saying. Absolutely. And this is another reason why we want to do one at night, because if we do one online at night, they can sign in anonymously and still get the information. And oh. what if, if you were in law enforcement, what if you were able to talk to somebody completely neutral, not hmm. tied to the police force, about that event the day after, how much would that save us from losing police to suicide, which there is more... Suicide, drug addiction, uh, alcoholism. alcoholism. Mm -mm. And if you've lost your job because of PTSD, that's even worse because now you have no insurance and you're dealing with all your symptoms. Which essentially is what happened to our my friend Cole and what happens to police officers all around this country, which is unfortunate. And And we are losing more police officers to suicide than we are on the job. We're losing more veterans to suicide than on the battlefield. And it's got to stop. That has to a hundred percent. That has to stop. And that is uh, our mission. It doesn't matter if you were combat related or not. No, it makes no difference. It doesn't even matter if you were deployed or not. It's an unfortunate stigma that's attached to people who don't know and want to point fingers at veterans or other veterans pointing fingers at other veterans. That you could have never left the United States and still have um, service-related PTSD. Yes. 
or SSD as well, right? Yeah. Like because of your pain. If you're Be- in a lot of pain, it can cause a lot of anxiety. That's somatic symptom disorder. And it can take over your life. What PTSD does for me is, is it's a mental pain that, well, I should say, I, let me start with SSD. SSD is more, is a physical pain that attributes to my mental pain. And then PTSD is vice versa. Vice ver- PTSD is my mental anguish and pain that ends up being that I'm depressed and anxious. I don't tr- sleep right. I don't eat right. I don't do those things. And then by not doing those things, your pain I is get, more severe. Then I get more physical pain from mm-hmm. that. I get more migraines and more headaches. So am I explaining that right to my yeah. family by give, differentiating between the two so they can understand? Yeah. And it, it might be hard for some people to understand because they don't experience chronic pain. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of veterans and first responders that experience chronic pain, which means you're in pain, whether you're just sitting still, walking, whatever. And that causes a lot of anxiety because you mm-hmm. can't do what you want to do. And you also anticipate how severe the pain is going to be that day. So you're constantly anxious about that. But it, 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 it is a problem. And I think that uh, we need to be more empathetic and sympathetic to veterans when they talk about chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like you said, that's something that I, I live with every day. And people look at me and they're like, I'm 180 pounds. They're like, man, you look great, Tim. You're a good guy. You're, you look healthy, yeah. man. But you don't know my pain when I wake up with every day and how I feel right now while you're saying that or that I'm the fight that's inside of me and so many veterans doing the same thing that I'm doing. So I, I, I just hope that we can bring more attention to that aspect where people think it's some kind of imaginary thing or veterans think because they serve more in this place than the other. They're pointing fingers uh, all the judgment. I, I, for me, I'd like just for the judgment to go out the window. And judgment just, is not allowed. It's not. It, does, it has to stay outside the doors. Yes, that's a rule when you come to the heat factory. We don't have many rules, but that's definitely one of them, that judgment is not allowed. Um, it doesn't help anyone. And I can say that I lost judgment a long time ago because I, as a therapist, I would see people lay themselves raw mm-hmm. in front of me and realize that people are doing their best to survive and they're struggling. And so to judge them for their behaviors or their responses when they're in that kind of pain mm-hmm. is just unfair. It is it very much so. And I just can't think of enough ways to try and get to people that may not be able to come here physically. Yeah. Um, but to get the word out. I agree. And I'm again, I'm so grateful and thankful for your support and everything that you've you, you know, your advice and you've lent to us and everything that you do for us, your teachings. Even on your worst day, this is the place to come. Yes. Because you will be loved and cared about and we will understand why you're having a bad day. Yep. It's okay. Yes. And I definitely, I feel that. And I feel that even when I'm not here, I get it. I know she'll text you. You don't come in. Somebody <laughs> will look for you if you come to the Heat Factory once and you don't come back. Yeah, you'll get a text, you'll get a call, yes. and eventually a knock on the door. Yeah, yeah, we've done we that worry. for each other before, mm-hmm. and w- w- like your brothers will come and sisters will come and find you. Yes, and uh, shedding the judgment is where it's at, like yep. because then you can trust that that's really what people are going to do for you, and um, we just want people to feel safe here and feel like this is a sanctuary, and not feel like they're just another number or cog in the machine or. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you feel. Um, real quick, I have, you know, there's a, there's a veteran here. His name is Jeremy. The guy loves Donald Trump, and I don't. <laughs> but you know what? It's we hug good. today. We love each other. I care about him. If he called me tomorrow and he said, Tim, I need you to come to my house and help me with this. I'm there. Yo, text me your address. I'm there. I'm Do whatever I need. you need. Yeah. Because it's not about judgment, and we leave all of that outside. All of it. And helping each other get jobs, helping each other when cars break down. I mean, this is the kind of support you need. It's yes. what we were born to belong. Yes. A community. A community, right? Yes. We're trying to, that's what we're trying to build is a new sense of community. Because it's unfortunate that we live in a very individualistic society yes, right now. Do. Where everyone just cares about themselves. And part of it isn't malicious. It's just what it is. Like, if you, if you got three kids and you're a single mom and you're just trying to make ends mean you're working your ass. What time you don't have time for yourself to, to breathe. So what time do you have to care about another person? If you don't even have enough to care about you, you're giving everything to your three kids. And I want to have Lucy on to speak about the first responder side. She's done a bunch of modules and she's, you know, I I want these people on so that this isn't just me. You're hearing every week or Cody or Tyler, you're hearing, from different people, and that's the mission of this this show is so that people can hear um, where they are, where they're going, where they've been. You know, like uh, what made you that veteran? What made you who you are? And what brought you here to sit down and with us normalizing today? Normalizing you know? what you're going through yes. so you don't feel broken. Mm-hmm. Because actually, PTSD is a normal response to abnormal situations. And it's unfortunate that most of us feel broken. I mean, we all, yes. we kind of feel like we're, um, we're misfits without an island. You know, we're the misfit toys without the island to land on. Like, we're just all, like, floating through life. And, and that's not allowed here either. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to feel broken. No, we're not. And um, it's hard at first. It's yeah. very difficult not to feel broken. That's, that was very difficult for me. Yeah, because you have to recognize who you are, mm-hmm. and we all have something to give. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it just, it, it I'm th- I'm grateful to. I have a support system. I have some family that that they're younger, even like my little nieces, and they've helped me on my healing journey, and they they've inspired me, and they tell me how much how proud they are of me, and they see a difference in me. So I I guess what I just want to get out is that. Just be you. Like, focus on you. And give everything permission else, to be happy. Yes, because everything else will kind of fall into place. You know, people say, oh, the universe will bless you. Your God will give you these gifts. But it, it's true to a sense because if you're just being happy and you're focused on what... And not looking for somebody to give back to you. You're right. just giving, giving, giving. Things just come your way. Yes, they do. They people just People flock fall. to you. Yep. And, and to, to speak on my healing journey, the path that I speak with Carlos is one of the things I've spoken to him on is in the past, I've stubbed my toe on my path, on my journey, and it was a rock. Instantly. I didn't even look down. I didn't see what it was. I stubbed my toe. It's like, boom. I hit my toe, and it's like instantly anger takes over. Fuck. Ah! I'm mad. And I go back to a story that Brent told us about the hammer, hammer. right? Yeah, the hammer in his story. hand. So this is how I put this into my healing journey is that now when I hit my toe, I try to be mindful and present and not automatically assume it's a rock. Now so I that's stop. That's the first step. Look down. Look see down what it is. first. Yes. And then I look down and maybe it is a rock. And now mm. I deal with it because I know it's a rock. 
not because I assumed it, but maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a little box. Maybe it's a big box. But now I don't know because I never looked down. And so many times in life, we assume every time we stub our toe on our journey, it's a rock. And it could be gifts, but because we're so angry, we're so fearful, and we're so shameful of what we're doing and who we are and that path, we just keep on going. That's right. And now I'm stopping. And I'm enjoying the moment. Yes. And I I think of cliches like stop and smell the roses. Why do you think that's lasted for 200 or hundreds of years, that cliche? Because it means something. Stop, be mindful, smell the roses. Like, okay. Enjoy it. Yeah. So, uh, I forget what philosopher it was. It said, once someone tells you a bird is a bird, you never see that bird again. Mm. Which means once you tell me what that is, it's a sparrow, I don't pay any attention to any more sparrows again. I really just go, oh, okay. And, yeah. And, and it's, it's true. We just take it for granted that all of this is going to be around us again. Yes. Yes, very much so. And, and part of it is, is, and it's not that you're right or wrong. It's just life has become yes. that way, like societal and culturally. This is just mm-hmm. what life has become for millions of people across the country or around the world. And this is not, again, right or wrong. It is what it is. And that's how I feel here. I didn't feel like anything was right or wrong. I just felt like you guys were talking to me because that's who I was. It, it just you, you addressed me for who I was and not what PTSD is. Right. You know well, what you I mean? You have to think More, about yourself separate from PTSD. Yes. And, I, so. and it, it took for me to really uh, implement a lot of skills and techniques that you've yeah. taught me to really see that. And then it helped me to be like, yeah, I got this. Mm-hmm. I can do this. You know, like I'm going to have, sh- you know what? Now I don't feel like I'm helping other people and I'm not helping myself. Now I feel like when I help other people, I am helping myself. And that's part of the healing process. As soon as you start helping others, it increases your healing. Mm. And I, I definitely feel that I'm starting. I'm on a different level of my journey now. And, you know, I, I, f- I feel the path widening. Mm-hmm. Whereas before the journey was my journey was so narrow and I actually feel it widening where maybe I. I maybe have it backwards. Maybe it should have been the other way around. I don't know what should or shouldn't be. And I'm okay with that, Diane. Because you're on the journey. Yes, because yeah. I'm just chipping away. Chip, chip, mm-hmm. chip. I'm just walking on my path. That is it. As long as I'm moving, as long as I don't stop and worry about, oh, that's a rock. How long am I going to ponder that that's a freaking rock? I know it's a rock and it stubbed my toe. Keep moving. Learn from it. Yes. That's what a, That's what any problematic issue is it's a learning opportunity yes and it's not a failure a hundred percent and and i've learned that failure is okay too yeah because now i know that doesn't work and now i could get better it's because this is what i'm trying to do is i'm not trying to be uh, a different person per se i ended up becoming a different person but i wasn't trying to be a different Mm -hmm. person all i was trying to do every day or every week when i came here because at one point i was here three times a week i was coming monday wednesday and friday was just to be better yeah that's it be better than who i was yesterday and to feel better and in turn that's what started to happen though because i consciously made that decision that i just coming here i just want to be better then I, before you knew, I started to feel it. I wanted to share it. I wanted to do all of that with friends, family. There's this sense of being better. Yeah. And, and my wife, from day one, I laughed at her when I met her. And she says, 
that her saying is, because nice matters. Mm -hmm. Something her mother told her since she was little, something that she's passed on to me, something I've passed on to my nieces now, and something I've learned to embrace is because nice matters. And just think about the other person. Think about be empathetic, compassionate. It just matters to care about the other side of the coin. Amen. So um, with that, I guess... Are you, you have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, any we I'd love for you to come on again, maybe regularly, maybe sure. every couple of months. We can have you on, just help people understand out there. Maybe hopefully, if you have any questions, concerns, leave some comments on the bottom for for Diane, and I'm sure we can get some of those answers for you. And you know, there's a hormone in our brain called oxytocin, and it's released mm-hmm. um, by somebody else smiling at you or you know it's it's our love bonding feel-good hormone it's um mothers and children um that bond with oxytocin and when you love with your dog you release oxytocin right so studies have shown that if i smile at you my brain releases oxytocin but so does yours so i'm you know here you've got somebody that you're showing kindness to and it's got to be kind of touching him maybe he doesn't have somebody showing him kindness don't ever think that even a smile or just asking someone how they're doing can change a life yeah i i just kept going back to the whole thing and my wife saying because nice matters the first time you use one of the skills and you realize it works you get hooked yes and the skills i'm not talking about these you know crazy imaginative things no i'm talking about you know basic communication skills mm-hmm. and um, basic relationship skills that aren't common sense. Someone right. has to teach us these things and I just choose to teach them. Right. And, um, and it does make a difference. It does. It definitely does. And, and uh, know that you're not alone. Just know that you're not alone. We are all in this together and um, positive cycles mm-hmm. that we need to put out in culturally into society and change what the, this growling and this yeah. grunt and the whole word of being a grunt. Like why? Like, you're not that anymore. You served and you did it. You did a great service and you helped people. You made a sacrifice. Yes. Each and every one of you, even if you don't think you did, you made a sacrifice. 100%. And when someone thanks you for your service, you have to accept that you did serve this country. Mm -hmm. So that's all I ask of people out there is to care more about your local veteran, your veteran next to you, your family member who lives across the country. Just care. Give Mm -hmm. them a phone call. Anything, man, because that will spread, man. Positivity spreads just yes, as fast does. as negativity. But we just think that negativity is easier. It's not, man. It's more, I think it's contagious negativity. It is. So just force the positive. Things change. Change and step deal with things. Step by step, yes. one at a time. Chip, so, chip, chip. Chip, chip, chip. I'm trying to break generational cycles, these vicious cycles in my life. You'll learn more about my story if you click on and we'll have other other videos. But um. Uh, I come from a vicious cycle of anger, violence, fear, shame, and um, I choose not to live that anymore. And I'm happy that I chose that, and I'm grateful because of people like Diane and Gus that I don't have to live that way anymore. You guys do all the work. We just bring something to the table. Oh, you're being humble. Listen, she works her ass off. This woman gives her time and... She spreads herself very thin for us, and we're very grateful for it. And it doesn't go unnoticed, and it doesn't go unappreciated. It's very sweet. Thank for you. For sure. 
So those of you out there, if you're listening, you're watching, please understand that you you have a friend in me. <laughs> and you definitely have a friend in Diane. I can attest to that she will be more than a friend to you. She will love you as one of her own. So I thank you again for coming on, Diane. I look forward to having you on again. Absolutely. I would um, enjoy that. Yeah. And um, I look forward to expanding upon everything, all that we're talking about, you know, maybe... Hopefully then we'll have the capacity for a third mic and then we could have a third, another veteran on or Cody Mm -hmm. will be on and we can definitely add to the conversation. Perfect. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And those of you at home, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, this is Tim from the Heat Factory, missing Cody and Tyler's here. But um, (laughs) all right. Thank you. And um, stay positive and stay forward. Have a great day, guys.